Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. I am Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic from here in Washington, D.C., and today on this episode, I am joined by Father Gregory Pine over in Switzerland, uh, but communicating via the interwebs. So here he is, Father Gregory. Say hi to everyone. Hello. Delighted to be here through the wonderful advantages of telecommunication, series of tubes and wires, which has made this encounter possible. So thanks to all those who put in the hard work. Yeah, it's great. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> how, are, how are things? What's new? Anything? Um, what's new? Uh, so things in Switzerland are good. Um, it's actually getting a little warmer here. Uh, but as a result of which, it is like spring avalanche season. I didn't realize this, but um, every year in Switzerland, it's like 40, 50, 60 people die in avalanches. And you're like, avalanches? Those things only happen in like fairy tales or books or, I don't know, something else. But they're like a real live issue here. So I went hiking on Saturday with another friar in the community. And um, yeah, we were in this valley just outside of this town called Kondersteg, which you can just say that a hundred times and enjoy every single pronunciation of it. Um, but as we were there, we were just like looking up at the mountains as we were trundling along in a place that wasn't particularly dangerous, but you just saw these huge, huge, huge <laughs> amounts of snow just, you know, coming off the mountains and just plunging into the valley. And you're like, huh, I'm glad I'm not under those. But then, you, could, you know, you could you see imagine- it falling. And oh, you're yeah. Just looking at it. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, you could see it falling. You could hear it falling. I mean, you could feel it falling. So it's at a certain point, falling. he's like, yeah, I think it's I think it's time for us to go home. And I was like, but what if we lived imprudently and, you know, like came within an inch of our lives instead? He's like, yeah, it's, that's dumb. Let's go. I was like, okie dokie. So, yeah, we went home and uh, we took a dummy tour, as we say. And by we, I mean he. And I don't actually say anything in French that's good. So, yeah, so avalanches. That's the update. Wow. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Is it I know. is February the normal avalanche season? Is that or is it like global? No, it's just like unseasonably warm right now. So Strange. things start melting and then they start sliding and then people start yeah. dying. Crazy. Yeah. Well, we don't have avalanches in DC, so okay. Um, we had like half an inch of snow yesterday, so, so I don't think we're going to worry about that falling <laughs> falling on anybody. But um, yeah, that's that's more interesting than anything that's going on here. So we'll I don't know. I can't top that, which is usually. The point of this part of our episode is just to say something <laughs> cooler than the last Friar and sound more important. So uh, you win for today. Touche. There you go. Um, so we'll just dive into the content of the episode then. Uh, so we have Lent coming up quickly, which kind of, I don't know, is Easter, is Lent early this year? I, I don't know. It seems kind of normal, but it seems like it's come upon us very quickly. Yeah. I don't know. I think what's like the earliest it can be is like March 20-somethingth, 22nd or something like that. And the latest it can be is like, I don't know, about that time in April. So I guess it's kind of halfway in between. It's normalish. Got it. Normalish. It's certainly... Well, it feels early. It's surprised. It, I, I have been surprised <laughs> because next week is Ash Wednesday, the 17th. Um, and it has caught me off guard. But I'll be ready. I'll be ready mm-hmm. to go. And in order to help... You get ready to go, too, because you, too, might be surprised if you do not keep your liturgical calendar uh, plugged into your normal calendar, which I do, and yet I'm still surprised. Um, but in order to get ready, we thought we'd do a little a little episode on um, 
on penance, thinking about why it is that that we do penance, how it is that penance affects our lives and works into our lives as Christians, and and also how to choose maybe good penances for Lent, if we can talk about good penances. Um, I think we can, and we're going to. Um, So, Father Gregory, tell us a little bit about just sort of general why penance, what's the point, how it works. Let's start perhaps there before we start start talking specifically about Lent and, and, and picking our penances. Sure. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, we talked before about maybe three main reasons for which one practices penances. Uh, maybe we can introduce them and then I'll talk about one and I'll send it back. But um, so on the, on the one hand, you know, we are sinful. Uh, we're all complicit in the sin of our original parents and we commit personal sins. So part of penance is making satisfaction for those sins. Um, so it's, it's making up for what we have done that is gone against the law of God or has wounded God to speak in a kind of metaphorical but real way. Um, there's also the sense that uh, we, you know, as human beings, we, we learn from the bodily and, you know, from the bodily we kind of grow in spiritual habits, right? So like the sacraments, you know, they take bodily things and then they, they give you spiritual goods. Uh, so too in our lives, that's just kind of how we progress. And so there's there's this need for discipline, you know, kind of like there's this need for um, <clears throat> undergoing in our flesh what needs to be undergone in our spirit. And then, I mean, that's like related to and, and, and leads pretty seamlessly into this general idea of formation, right? So you hear penances sometimes referred to as asceticism. Um, and asceticism just means training. So there's this idea that we need to be trained in the Christian life. So I don't know if there's a particular one of those things that you like, especially waxing eloquent upon. Um, I, I, I don't know if waxing eloquent is, is in my wheelhouse, but we'll try it. Uh, I think, I think we're probably at least a bit familiar with the idea of penance for, um, for reparation that we do penance for reparation of our sins. If you go to confession, um, which Lent is a great time to go, if you don't go to confession regularly go during lent uh but to make up for for our sins to to atone for the the temporal punishment of course when we go to confession the 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 eternal punishment the risk of of um of going to hell is is taken away but the effects of our sins still remain so you know the effects of how we treat people how we act towards people so we do penance to to make up for those things um i think we're familiar with that i think Perhaps we're familiar too with the idea of disciplining the flesh. That that um, you know, because of original sin, because of our own sin, as Father Gregory was saying, our our desires and attractions and pursuits are sometimes out of whack. You know, it's it's often more desirable. At least, well, I'll speak for myself. It's more desirable to like have like a good cheeseburger and a beer and kind of hang out than it might be to do like spiritual things all the time. And though those might be good to have a cheeseburger and a good beer in excess, like. 24 seven is probably a bad thing. So if I were struggling with that, you know, fasting might help tame the flesh a little bit. Um, but it's this third one, this formation for the Christian life that I think, um, doesn't get enough, uh, enough showtime. Do you say that? Yeah. Enough showtime. I think so. Enough time, lime of the limelight. Limelight. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll keep working on it. I'll get back to you. Yeah. You get, you get back to me. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't get enough of, doesn't get enough attention. I will say that. Um, because, of course, penance does the other two things that we talked about, discipline and reparation. But 
It's also supposed to form us in our Christian life. It's not supposed to just be something that we that we do and then kind of throw away to no effect. Um, but the, those spiritual and those bodily disciplines that we take are supposed to are supposed to open us more readily to God's mercy and to God's grace, and also form the habits of right living. Whether that's with respect to our bodies, you know, we fast from food so as not to be kind of beholden to food and drink. Um, we fast, uh, we or we take on spiritual exercises. You know, more time in prayer extra spiritual reading, maybe going to daily mass during Lent. We do these things um, with the hope that these form the spiritual habits in our lives so that we are more receptive, open to Christ and and can dive into into that relationship and friendship a bit more. Um, so I think this idea of, yeah, we do, there are times in, in the faith and in the church's calendar when that call for a greater focus or greater intensity of penance, but that doesn't mean that they're they, they happen in a vacuum or in an isolated uh, isolated way. So I think that's that's important to, to keep in mind. Yeah, as, as regards like the, the formation aspect too, I think, um, I forget where I encountered it, but it's St. Gregory the Great talks about the difference between um, like material and immaterial goods, or we could just say like, you know, bodily goods or corporeal goods and spiritual goods. He says with um, the former, with bodily or corporeal goods, they, they offer great delight at first, but then um, your enjoyment of them tends to wane a little bit or it it tends to maybe grow, I don't know, like weary, tired. I don't know how best to describe that. But, um, yeah, you can think of your experience like of eating from the kids' menu. You're like five. You're pumped. You're like, oh, my gosh, I have the choice between a hot dog or mac and cheese. My life could not possibly be better. But at a certain point, you know, those things, I don't know, the character of those delights just kind of declines. And then you're no longer as pumped to order off the kids' menu. You want something that's like a little more refined or not like hoity-toity, but something that's just a little more <laughs> grown-up. Um, and he says that, you, you, like, basically this is, this is the logic of, um, of, of spiritual goods. Like, once you come to learn what is the best, then it asserts a kind of attraction. Um, but at first, you know, spiritual goods can be really difficult. They can be really forbidding. So if you're like, I don't know, like what's it, what's it look like a complex taste? Um, you know, for somebody who's first learning to drink alcohol, uh, you might find like beer tastes really bitter or that like dry wines are just, uh, you know, like kind of bizarre or like whiskey. You drink it in the wrong way and it just explodes your palate and you're like, oh, this is terrible. But it's something for which you can acquire the taste. And he talks about how with spiritual goods, at first they're forbidding. You know, they might seem... You know, bitter or dry or palate overwhelming. Um, you know, like if you've ever tried to make a holy hour or the first time you tried to make a holy hour, you may have been very bored and distracted and kind of moved around in your chair a long time, looked at your watch on a variety of occasions and just wished for the end of it. But if you, if you make kind of meaningful engagements with those goods, that's a complicated way of speaking. If you do those things often, right, and if you do them in a meaningful way, eventually uh, you come to access the good. You come to gain greater command over it or have greater knowledge and love for it. And as a result of which, um, it kind of draws you in. And then it inspires you, you know, to like make further pursuits. So it's not so much a matter of like always having to be like, all right, let's do this really difficult spiritual thing. At a certain point, you actually acquire the you acquire the taste for it, the savor of it. And so this kind of, like we talked about it in terms of a formation, it's like acquiring the palate for the highest good so that you can actually appreciate them rather than just, you know, giving a taste and being like, this may not be for me. You know, I'm a simple person with simple desires. I like mac and cheese. I like hot dogs. I'm not really into holy hours of the mass. So you just, 
you know, you, ha- you, you do what you like, Jesus, but I'll be over here eating from the kids' menu. It's lovely. The first time, this is a little tangential, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a quick story. The first time, because you talked about menus. The first time I ordered off of uh, not from the kids menu, and I was allowed to order for myself when I was much younger. Uh, this is still like a, a family joke. The you know like often you get like an uh, an appetizer or something like a salad or soup before your entree, and I ordered the food, and I was so proud of myself. You know, kind of like whatever. And the waitress asked if I wanted a super salad. And I thought she said super salad, like a very big salad, but she said soup or salad. And I just replied, yes. And there's this <laughs> awkward pause where she's looking at me and my parents are looking at me. And of course, like my brother, who's just a little younger than me, starts making fun of me. It's totally, totally wrecked and embarrassed. And um, But it's kind of like making your first holy hour, doing something that's difficult during Lent. You know, you might be, <laughs> might be a little intimidating or embarrassed by it. But all the same, I learned to order from the adult menu. Um, it was a, it was hey. something that I've, you know, a habit I've developed now. So that's it. That's same the formation thing with, of the Christian life. Seamless segue. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I think that's important for us to think about, um, with respect to penances, especially as we're, as you know, as we're getting into Lent is Lent does have that, that sort of that window it's 40 days and, and that's, then we hit Easter and it's like, Oh, I didn't even know Lent happened. Holy week's like so tough. And then Easter Sunday comes like. Holy week happened. We made it. We survived. Um, and because it's because it's a limited amount of time or a finite window, uh, it often gets treated as such. And I think we, we sort of talked about how with this formation that it should kind of carry on beyond Lent. And we'll talk about that a bit more as we go on. But it also is we also shouldn't forget that these things that we do during Lent, these penances, the penances that we do during regular um the regular or other times of the year also are oriented not just to simply disciplining our bodies and our spiritual lives now, but oriented to our to our ultimate end of of getting to heaven. That these, you know, it's not just a, we're Catholic, so we have this Catholic guilt, so we need to punish ourselves, but it's about working with the graces, cooperating with the graces of, of God to to be perfected by those graces. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you have thoughts about that, Father Gregory, but that those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I have this image in my mind from The Great Divorce, where um, it's the C.S. Lewis book where he talks about heaven and hell and those who make their way to both destinations. And you have this scene of souls who are on the threshold of heaven. I guess, well, they're not really passing through a door, so maybe I'm using threshold in the improper sense. Please forgive me. Uh, but they're about to enter into heaven. And what they come to discover is that heaven is far more real than they are. Uh, You know, so I have this one image in my mind of a particular soul who's starting to walk out onto the grass, uh, and he finds that it hurts his feet uh, because, by comparison, he's kind of insubstantial, uh, whereas the things of heaven are terribly, terribly real. And I think that that's the the logic that informs our penance, is that we want to train our our minds seeking and our hearts loving so that they really, you know— are in, are in pursuit of what's truly real. Because we can expend ourselves on the less than real or the less substantial. But when we do so, we ourselves become less real and less substantial. I think it's St. Augustine who says, my weight is my love, right? You gravitate towards those things that you love and those, those things have a way of shaping you. So what penance does is that it trains the gravity of your heart towards the highest and most you know, weighty of matters uh, so that you in turn would become shaped by them, formed by them, and ultimately, you know, blessed and beatified by them. All right. Well, now that we've we've thought about the highest goods, the ultimate end, 
We're going to take a, a quick break, and uh, when we come back in the second part of the episode, we'll we'll talk more specifically about choosing your penances, how to do penance well during Lent, and how to carry on afterwards. So, uh, stay tuned. We will be right back. This is God's planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org/godsplaining. Welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand here with Father Gregory, and in the this episode we are we're talking about penance as Ash Wednesday comes upon us very quickly and surprisingly. Um, it'll come unexpectedly. All of these things. Be prepared. Keep your lamps trimmed. Oh yeah. Um, that's always gotten me. I understand what that means, but it seems kind of counterintuitive. If you want it to burn longer, you, I wouldn't think trim it down. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. Counterintuitive. I guess, Good I guess you do. The wise virgins trim their lamps, so let's do likewise. Yep. Uh, this, okay. This, <laughs> okay. Uh, so right now we're going to start talking about Lent and Lenten penances and choosing penances well. Uh, so, Father Gregory. Yep. Any tips here? What do you think? How 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 should I go about choosing my penances, doing good penances um, this coming Lent? Yeah, um, and others, not just me. Let's not make yeah. it about me. Well, Let's make it about all particular. of us. You know? I've got yeah. thoughts about you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know that's not a bad. Well, that's a good segue into some overriding or overarching thoughts. I think that um, sometimes it's good to chat through with other people what penances you are to undertake. Why? Well. Because picking, picking penances is a matter of prudence, right? Prudence takes risk at times, and prudence proves cautious at others. But ultimately, prudence is about um, incorporating your whole life into a uh, unified pursuit of the one end uh, and doing so in a way that's practicable, that's actually doable. So this is eminently helpful when it comes to, uh, to picking penances. So who would be the people with whom you would chat? Well, I think it's like, you know, friends, family, maybe spiritual director. Um, because they're the people that know you best, and they're going to be the, the ones to communicate to you ways that you can grow without doing it in a judgy way. So sometimes when you ask somebody like, hey, what penance should I undertake? And that person's like, mm, you should give up talking because you're really like annoying. It's like, oh, gosh, all right. I didn't ask you to make me feel dumb and loud-mouthed. I knew those things both, but for you to confirm them, that's smarts. But you're, you're, I mean, presumably your friends and your family love you, and so they're going to be able to communicate that love in a way that's palatable. Uh, but they will be able to suggest things on which to work and not just kind of in general, like everyone should do Exodus 90 or you should sleep on the board of your bed rather than on your mattress or blah, blah, blah. But they'll know like, okay, you know, you've wanted to grow in this particular way and maybe this is an opportunity. So I think starting starting in conversation with the Lord first, who himself is going to inspire you, uh, with your friends and family who know you and love you, and with a spiritual director who might be in a good, in a good position also to make that assessment and, and temper perhaps excess or encourage you lest you be um, cowardly or timid. Yeah, I think uh, the the sort of intentionality of our penances is important. Uh, you know, as, I think growing up, I don't know, I'm just trying to remember what we had to do as, as kids growing up. I'm sure that we gave up things, but I don't remember if they were sort of imposed by my parents, you know, it's like you're giving up chocolate or, you know, whatever it is. But I think often we do give up little things um, that are they don't have a lot of um, weight or intention or meaning behind them. And not that little things, not that little penances are, are bad or in, or that they're insufficient. That's not the case at all, in fact. But that uh, 
penances that don't have meaning. So just saying, like, if I don't even eat a ton of chocolate, giving up chocolate is not really, like, who cares, you know? Um, if, if it doesn't sort of aim at forming my life. So I think that thinking about sort of taking even an examination of conscience of sort of running through that as you're as you're beginning to think about what am I going to take on or give up during Lent? Um, I think an examination of conscience can be super helpful, one that you would even just use before going to um, going to the sacrament of penance, because in sort of looking at uh, where you are in your life, in your relationship with our Lord, in your relationship with others, in your relationship with self, these these things, and looking at all that, we, you can identify, I'm sure, um, at least one, maybe two places that um, vice or temptation gets the better of you. And it's from there that uh, I think penance should be developed. So I already mentioned earlier that the cheeseburger thing, you know, so if you're a particular, have a particular sort of, um, I don't know, uh, desire for, for all of this food, maybe maybe fasting, taking on a little bit of an extra fast day during the week might be something to do. Those sorts of things, things that can form you. If if you have trouble making, you know, your holy hour that you're supposed to be, that you've committed to do once a week or something like that, well, maybe it's just time to sort of double down and really book that into your schedule. Um, so that intentionality, that formative intentionality, uh, I think has to be at root. Otherwise, again, it doesn't matter that we give up chocolate or that we you know, take this extra time for prayer, get up a little bit earlier, if it's not connected to who you are as, as a person. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess following on that, um, maybe, maybe one way to structure that examination of conscience that you describe is to think about it in terms of the goods that you love and pursue and kind of where they rank, and then compare that to perhaps where they ought to rank. This isn't just saying like, all right, God, self, and others, or I should love God more. So right now I'm spending, you know, seven hours on myself each day, you know, like when you take together brushing my teeth and taking a shower and like eating meals and blah, blah, blah. And I should spend that much on God. So I should make seven holy hours. I'm not saying that like in a kind of silly, crass material way, but there are, there are certain attachments that we have in our life, which displace higher goods. So I'm going to talk about my own experience right now. Um, so like, for instance, um, I have an overactive practical intellect. So I think often of like tasks that need to be done and I love making lists, but sometimes I'm tempted to make lists in the context of a holy hour, for instance. And why? Well, oftentimes it's because like, oh, that's a good thought. I should get that down. So that way I don't forget it. Right. But it's like, why am I worried about forgetting it? Am I worried that the task won't get accomplished? Am I worried that I will somehow omit some essential duty. I don't know that I ever really like tease out that line of thought, but there's like a kind of fear or like a kind of panic. And as a result of which I, I will often set aside prayer to think about practical things for the rest of the day, uh, rather than, you know, just dedicating that time to being with the Lord and being less easily distracted. Okay. So maybe a thing that I could give up for penance is writing lists. Am I still going to be a bit distracted? Yeah. Will it be hard? Absolutely. Will much fruit come of it? Ah, it's hard to say. I'm I'm doubtful as to how much good fruit will come of it, um, but it but at least chastens what I think is um, a kind of I don't know upside downedness to the hierarchy of goods because I'm too worried about like getting the things done and remembering the tasks and, and, and in a way that like kind of crowds out meditation. So like simple things like that I think can be a good way to structure structure your examination of conscience. Yeah. So a few perhaps a list of a couple helpful tidbits. So I think Father Gregory and I both <laughs> explained in our own ways the sort of the prudential um, prerequisites to choosing penances. So um, examining the intentionality 
and and connecting penance, the things that you do or give up to who you are as a person. So by praying, by seeking counsel, as Father Gregory explained, by perhaps making a good examination of conscience um, to sort of assess where things are in, in your spiritual life, in your life with others. Uh, a few other points that I think, uh, so so this examination beforehand, um, the, the classical sort of the classical scripture uh, explanation of, of penance, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, I think are good metrics by which to sort of lump penances in. So if you're trying to think like, well, what should I do? I really, I've done these, you know, I've thought about it, but I'm still kind of at a loss. Well, I think that that triad, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is a great way to kind of look at that. So what can you do to um, clear out some room for your spiritual life? Or what can you do within your prayer to sort of deepen that? We, we talked about that a little bit, but it maybe that's getting up 10 minutes earlier so that you can have 10 minutes of quiet before you leave the house with our Lord. Or putting that holy hour or that holy half hour, whatever it is, or daily mass in your calendar the week before so that that time is already set aside so that you don't have to fight with you know your schedule as like the day goes. Um, fasting maybe giving up some sort of food or having an extra fast day, you know, having a small lunch one day or something like that. Almsgiving, donating to God-splaining, these sorts of things, you know, <laughs> the, the ways that you can do penance or the poor. I guess we're kind of poor, but, you know, the, the real poor. Uh, those sort of things. I think another thing, too, is, is to consider the body and soul um, in, in the same way. So not to beat a dead horse, but how is it that your body can be disciplined? How is it that your soul, your spiritual life can be disciplined. But I think the level or uh, 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 an amount of accomplishability is is important. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of a, an important thing. So I don't know if you do, Father Gregory, but yeah, yeah. if you don't, no, that's I think, all right. I, I think like the connection with the virtue of hope there is really important because hope, you know, we rely on God who is omnipotent and merciful to give us everlasting life that he's promised. Um, but if we rely overly much on ourselves, right, then we can uh, become presumptuous and when doing so, if we fail, then we can become despairing. So like there's the sense that um, I want to do the things for which God is giving me the grace to do. Um, and a good metric for like, what is God giving me the grace to do is like, what are you, what are you able to do? Because <laughs> uh, if you're not able to do it, he's, he's, it doesn't seem he's giving you the grace to do it. And maybe, you know, like there are some fine grained distinctions that we can make about nature and grace. But I think that the Lord will expand your imagination to include what it is that he desires of you and will impart to you the grace to actually carry it out. So if you, if it can't be done, if it's unimaginable that it be done, you know, maybe you can pray for that imagination. But if it doesn't come, you don't have to despair of it and say like, oh, I can't do this because I'm a bad person. It's no like, no, you're just, you're meant to respond to the graces that God actually gives rather than like lusting after graces that may not in fact be for you. Yeah, I think here that we as Dominicans, when we think in a lot of contexts, we talk about the role of our desires and, and kind of what we want. And I think that can be applied here even even to penitential practices, um, not in the sense that like I desire in some sort of masochistic way to beat myself up, but in wanting to grow closer to Christ and wanting to do penance, you know, well, first we can pray for the desire for the spirit of penance. But what are those penances that that you sort of want to do? You know, um, I've. I guess last year it was, I think it was last year, did Exodus 90 and the cold showers, those, oh, awful. I hate cold showers. I mean, the worst thing. I'd rather like, do, I don't know what, I'd rather do almost anything than take a cold shower. But in a sense, there's a sort of desire. There was this desire for me to hate that every part of 
the day, <laughs> but a desire to to discipline and to give myself to this uh, this penance and this exercise. Um, so that was, you know, by God's grace, the motivation there. So I think that's important too. It's not that it has to be desirable in, in the sense of pleasurable all the time, but desirable in the sense of leading to leading to a deeper relationship and union with Christ. In the last couple minutes here, then um, perhaps just a few words on what penance should look like. I think the principles are pretty similar, but what penance should look like post-Lent in the Christian life. Um, yeah, Father Gregory, expound yeah. on that for us. Yeah, I think Lent, Lent should be a time then when we deepen or intensify our penitential practices, but ultimately Christian life is penitential for the reasons that we described at the beginning, because there's always need for reparation or satisfaction for sin. There's always need for disciplining of the flesh. There's always need for further formation in the Christian life. Um, so in the rule of St. Benedict, it says that the life of a monk is a perpetual Lent, but I think that we could extend that more broadly and say that the life of a Christian is a perpetual Lent, not because it's always somber and just filled with, you know, February weather and utterly despicable and affords us no general, you know, like joy or contentment, but in the sense that it's, it's focused on growing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and undertaking those aspects of the spiritual life, which are tried and true, proven in the Christian tradition, to, to kind of bring that about. Um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, you, when, you, when you adopt certain Lenten penances, you're not thinking like, okay, I'm going to adopt this for the rest of my life and I'll never give it up. It can be something that, you know, like you relax during Easter, but then you, re, you know, adopt again during ordinary time, perhaps in a mitigated form. But yeah, you should think about it, not just in terms of what I can sustain, what I can sustain for 40 days, but what is the Lord calling me to do as, as, part, of my, as part of my Christian life, as part of my call to sanctity? So as Ash Wednesday quickly approaches just a week away, crazy, um, as you begin to think about about the penances that you might adopt and how they're connected to your life and your relationship with Christ and uh, what it is that that needs growth and room for mercy in your own life, hopefully some of these principles can be helpful. Um, I think always keep in mind that that these penances, that a life, the Christian life of penance that Father Gregory just spoke of, is is ordered to an end, and namely an end of of our getting to heaven by God's grace, of being united with Him forever, perfected by His grace, but rejoicing with Him forever in heaven. And you know, penance clears out the garbage for that relationship, but also aligns the things that are good in us um, to be to be directed to Him and to Him alone. So we'll be, as, as we're getting into Lent, we'll certainly be praying for you and for you all in a special and intentional way. Um, pray for us too. Thanks for listening to the, to the podcast and this episode. Feel free to share it with somebody you think might benefit from it. Like us on our social media platforms. Um, leave a comment, leave a review. That, that helps us out tremendously. Um, we are... We've been saying this, I think, for a little bit of time now. We've been working on some merch, some merchandise, some swag. I was told we shouldn't use the word swag. We should <laughs> use the word merchandise, but I use both. So um, whatever. I can't stop That's me now because we don't edit our episodes that much. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, so keep an eye out. It, definitely in the next couple of weeks, keep an eye out uh, for, for that. We'll be posting on social media and uh, announcing it on the podcast, too. Um, Breaking the third wall a little bit here, you might think that because of you know the quality of our sound and video that we record these live and um, or we don't they're they're just not that good quality. Um, but today is today we're recording on the eighth of February, which marks um, eighteen months of of the podcast. So. 
a special thanks to everybody who's been listening. Um, a special thanks to all of your support, both spiritually, financially, all of that. And uh, we're, we're truly grateful and uh, hope to continue to bring you the gospel and the Dominican tradition with, you know, a bunch of men who don't really make good podcast stuff. So <laughs> there you have it. So, well, again, thanks so much. And until next time, take care and God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.